I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You've let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. Simon was alongside me today with Mason Greenwood's future and another unfortunate doping scandal in boxing, both on the agenda. First this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the situation regarding Manchester United's Mason Greenwood. Now in February... The UK's Crown Prosecution Service dropped charges of attempted rape, assault and coercive control against Greenwood, concluding there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction after key witnesses withdrew. 21-year-old Greenwood denies all charges. His last match for Manchester United was back in January 2022 since dropping the, the charges Manchester the, the dropping of the charges Manchester United have been undertaking their own internal investigation yesterday a report in the athletic detailed how chief executive Richard Arnold had told the executive leadership group that United had planned to bring Greenwood back that was set to be publicly announced on August the 4th, but that didn't go ahead. Yesterday, United released a public statement on the matter. They now claim a decision on Greenwood has not been made, but that they were working through the final steps of this carefully considered process. There's a fair bit to discuss here, mm. Simon. How much longer can they afford to delay the decision on Greenwood? And whatever the decision... What's the scale of divisiveness here? Well, I mean, it's always one of those challenging things where you start to ruminate on the remnants of some young man's career and where all of this has been sort of conducted in the court of public opinion because, as we know, this young man is now not facing charges. Now, lots of us will have heard the audio that was played at the time, so people will have formed their view. But the fact of the matter is this young man is now not facing any charges. Whether we all have views about the, the mechanics of how those charges have subsequently been dropped, whether it's witnesses dropping out or new evidence, exculpatory evidence has been brought forward to help his particular scenario, we're in the case now of what grounds do Manchester United have for retaining this young man's services or what grounds do they have for 
disposing of this young man's services. Well, they have a contractual obligation to him, so that means that they're contractually obliged to meet the obligations of their contract. On the flip side of that, there will be a distribute charge or a distribute observation that could be made about a business like Manchester United, which is a public domain business, a publicly listed business, a public-facing business, and what obligations they have and what they should be doing. Now, you know, I'm obviously I'm listening to the background noise and to the front-of-house noise about the concerns from domestic abuse survivors that will have very valid points of view about people that have committed things that are in that territory. And this young man has not been found guilty of that. So we're in a territory now of what is Manchester United's position. Richard Arnold is absolutely, prima facie, the right person to be handling this. This is not a glazer function. This is the chief executive of the business. This is what these guys get paid millions of pounds a year to make decisions based upon. They're the guys that are running the business on the ground. What the Glazers are doing are watching their share price and profiting off the opportunity of a deal that they did 17 years ago. They're not running the business. So Arnold is the right person to do it. And, and of course, even more so if you're, if you're one of the owners by, by, by ultimately saying, I don't really want too much of this. I'm going to let the guy that I pay to run this business deal with the PR side would, of this. Would you do that? Would you delegate this decision? Uh, if I were the owners of Manchester United, uh, of a club of that scale, and I paid my chief executive millions of pounds of year, a year to be across these situations, I would expect him to do it, yes. Right, right. I would expect him, not because there was any cowardice in my part, because that's what I pay him for. Okay. Now, the discussion is, if Manchester United want to keep this young man, because they are, they're advocating for a duty of care. Mm. There's two duties of care. There's a duty of care for those that are concerned that somebody that's had these allegations made against them may be somebody that they don't want to be around for their own reasons and for reasons that they'll lay out. And then there's the other duty of care, which is Manchester United's point of view, which is we've known this young man for, for 15 years, he's been part of our, uh, our club for 15 years, and we have a contractual obligation, we have a duty of care. Now, I would contend that that duty of care is a morality issue. And I would contend that Manchester United may be dressing morality up as commerciality because this is a very valuable young man, a very talented young man, and a player that has obviously got up until the point where he's put himself into a very difficult position. And, and we, again, talking back to the young man, this is not a young man that doesn't have form. This is a young man that's put himself in the way of, of certain things in the past, being away with England in Reykjavik where his behaviour was less than exemplary. And, of course, these as as yet unproven allegations. Right? And whatever, However these allegations have dropped away, they are no longer live. He is no longer guilty of anything. So the question is, if he were, if he were a lesser player, would Manchester United be taking this stance? Would Manchester United be suggesting that they have this duty of care and, and I, I my gut feel is possibly not so when they're talking about their morality towards the player I, I think there's an element of that's commerciality being dressed up as morality and then there's the other side of the of the equation which is the legitimate claims and concerns about the safeguarding of people in the workspace and I don't know how many of the women Manchester United footballers are offended or concerned or are anxious about the environment I don't know how many people are offended on their behalf but my gut feel is Man United are under, are under no ticking clock to make any decisions. They're paying this boy, and these people that are wanting him to be removed from the club um, um, and, and have strong views on it, are they wanting this young man to never play football again? Is it they don't want him at Manchester United because of the nature and the representation, the scale and public awareness of Manchester United, or is it because he simply shouldn't be in the workplace playing football anywhere? But, Simon, we're now in a space that there, there could be more information coming our way because United say following the dropping of all charges against Greenwood in February 2023 United has conducted a thorough investigation into the allegations made against him this has drawn on extensive evidence and context not 
in the public domain. Yep. And we have heard from numerous people with direct involvement or knowledge of the yep. case. Yep. And they go on to say, of course, it's a difficult case for everybody associated with the club. We understand the strong opinions it's provoked. We ask for patience as we work through the final stages of this carefully considered yeah. process. I know you're. I know what you're saying is correct. Look, there's no real rush to to come no. out for Arnold to come out no. and say, right, this is what we're saying. But we're into a new season. Well, we are, and 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 of course, ultimately, the noise. Will Something's be- got to give. Well. In, insofar as Manchester United's obligations to him, they're contractually bound. Now, Manchester United can easily fix this particular conundrum. They can pay the player up and release him from his contract and let him go about his business, right? So it's easily fixed. It's going to cost them about six or seven million pounds, which, in the great scheme of things, in the normal world, human, humongous amounts of money. In the football world, small beer. So they can fix this problem if they want to. So they can, if they, if they don't want to be in the eye of a debate about the morality of whether this young man, because of the allegations against him, and they are allegations, they've not been substantiated, we all have our view, and the CPS, it's, it must be also made clear that he hasn't been cleared of the allegations. The fact of the matter is is that witnesses have been dropping away and new evidence has and been found. And charges were dropped. So we are in a territory where do we, do we convict people in the court of public opinion or do we convict them under the eyes of the law? I would suggest that we need to convict people through the eyes of the law, otherwise we have a kangaroo court society, and be careful what you wish for when it comes to the bottle spin someone else's way. I mean, should we imagine that at the moment, if you're a fly in the wall of Richard Arnold's office, does it come down basically to, now if we have him back, what's the reaction going to be like? Let's get serious about this. What kind of reaction is there going to be? That basically is what it comes down to, isn't well, it? Well, we know what the reaction is going to be from certain sections of uh, of the media and certain sections of the football family, i.e. the fans. Certain fans that don't support Manchester United are going to use it as a weapon to try and put this young man off his game if he's an effective player in a game. So we know what football uh, observations are. We know the culture of football. We know it can be very acute and very blunt and, and, and very, very vitriolic. So he's going to face that wherever he plays. He's going to face it on a bigger scale when he plays for Manchester United. But there's Manchester United, well, a gold standard football club. Well, they're not. Well, in the eyes of you, the, always tell me they are. No, I, I tell you that they are the biggest football club in the world. I don't say that they operate in the best way. I don't think they do because clearly they don't because they're not best in class. They haven't employed the best in class in the dugout. They haven't employed the best in class behind the dugout. They no, but come on, it's an players. iconic worldwide brand. Uh, undoubtedly, they don't want to be right at the un- centre un- of what would be un- a major backlash. Undoubtedly, right, and, and and that puts an obligation upon them. It's like Oxfam is an iconic imagery, and they had to clean house once upon a time because some of the behaviour that was going on inside their organisation. So all organisations will have these moments in time where their public-facing representation needs to be in keeping with their perceived values, with their perceived iconography, their perceived imagery, the values that they're supposed to have. So, with that in mind, there's a circle to be squared here. Where does the where does the where do they think their best interests are served? This this has been rumbling for some time. There's been no effect on the share price in regards to Manchester United as an economic beast. So, this is not something that's rumbling in their financial world. This is something that's rumbling in the world of people that perceive this young man not being appropriate to being in this football club anymore. And it's not their gift. They're they're, they're fully entitled to have their view. They're fully entitled to air their views and they're fully entitled to opine upon it. But realistically speaking, if Man United want to pull the distribute charge, the distribute clause out of their contract and say, by the very nature of your behaviour, you've brought this club into disrepute, I'm sure it's their gift. And there'll be a horse trade about what that means in terms of financial settlement. If they don't want to play that, they're going to have to button down the hatches and accept the fact that there's going to be people that suggest if this young man is put back on the roster and playing in this team, that is unacceptable. It reflects a very poor reflection back on Man United and Man United will have to weather that storm. 
So I'll put you in the position. I'm going to do it anyway. Let's say for a moment that you are Richard Arnold. What decision do you make? Well, again, it goes to the part of knowing what you know. If you know something very different to what the CPS brought forward, we heard the audio. We've seen the reactions to the audio. We've all made our minds up, right? And there's no point debating what that is and no point opining upon it because it puts everybody into hot water by doing so. But the bottom line is, is the evidence has moved on and something very different has manifested itself. If Richard Arnold knows something far more compelling than the CPS did at the time, then if I was in that situation, I would. if I was confident in what I knew and the reasons why I knew it and the, valid, and the validity of what I knew, I would double down on... The, the right outcome being, if the, if the information I'm given changes the landscape, I would weather the storm. Because we live in a society where it's not appropriate for people that don't know all the facts to shout people out of jobs, shout people out of livelihoods. It's part of a council culture. There's far too much going on. on of it weather the, the storm. You'd keep them at the club. If I knew something different if you knew than something the time different. of facing stuff that we know out there right now, if my evidence was something very different to what the CPS initially started with, and I have a far more compelling route, I'm not going to be dictated to by those that don't know, because some of those people that don't know have an agenda. They want to advance a cause, a perfectly legitimate cause, mm. a perfectly valid ag agenda, yeah. but necessarily may not be appropriate for this environment. If everything is about the optics of something. If we're going to constantly live in a world of optics, then we're never going to do a bloody thing. Nothing in life is ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to evolve. Things aren't going to improve. Politics will never get better. Everything in, in the world will never change, because all we'll be concerned about is what something looks like rather than what it really, really is. But if if I'm imbued with facts that actually don't move the dial, don't move it on any further, and I'm now in a world of, this is going to cost me 7 million quid to get out of this problem, I would be getting out of this problem for 7 million quid. Understood. The case of Mason Greenwood, and Greenwood, of course, denies all the allegations. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm pretty darn sure that you were getting some information yesterday on Tottenham and Harry Kane going to Bayern Munich. Um, you don't need to be a world expert in football to think who you might have been talking to, but let's put that to one side. What can you tell us? I, I think there was a, a general feeling of great disappointment that Harry was decided to leave. I think there were lots of moving parts in it um, and people around him that were very influential in the decision to make. I think there's a surprise that he's gone to Bayern Munich. Um, Why was that? I just think they, 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 there's a general feeling that there were better options available to him um, economically um, at Tottenham um, than we're getting at Bayern Munich and also the reality of perhaps he might have been in an even better position in a year's time. But look, all that to one side, I think the main thrust of it was was that Tottenham need to turn a page. They've got themselves in a situation where, for one way or another, nobody lasts forever. Some people could argue that keeping Harry Kane for as long as they did was an achievement. Other people would say, well, they should have bloody well won something and Daniel Levy's useless and he's responsible and culpable for everything that's bad inside the football club. And the, and the outcome of Harry Kane is an inevitability because of the failure at Tottenham Hotspur to achieve things. And there's an argument, there's some substance in that argument and I understand it. But I think also coming in the door for Postacoglu, you can't have the only story in town being Harry Kane in every single press conference. You can't have a player that's potentially going to consider his options, may look at it again in November, may be prepared to say, I might talk about contract talks again in November. You can't have that. The economic sensibility right behind that won't make sense for Tottenham Hotspur. You're a hostage to fortune. But also, Posta Cogler will be in a situation where every single press conference, people won't be able to help themselves. It will be 
what's happening with Harry Kane, what's happening with Harry Kane, what's happening with Harry Kane. And any manager coming in that's got a job in hand to correct the ship, to turn the, t- the, the, the tide, to turn the tide back and turn it into a different set of circumstances that are progressing Tottenham Hotspur, both in winning something or looking like they're going to, but also, equally as importantly, the style of football, isn't going to be helped and added by every press conference being Harry Kane, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. And whilst I think it's pretty safe to say that most managers would want any body that scores 30 goals in their team and would see it as a loss they would also see the flip side of it if it's it's a sum of diminishing parts yeah if you know the player's going to go at some point and all you're going to hear about is what's happening with him it can be very destructive so I think Spurs are disappointed I think they're disappointed that, that Harry's gone I think they adored him um and they're choked by it um and they're spending money they've spent 130 million quid on players I'm not Daniel Levy's mouthpiece but I do think there's a, a devout attention, a intention to build a football club that works very well and starts to succeed. They'll say, the Tottenham fans will say, well, that's what we've wanted for some time and that's what we've been told for some time and that's not what we've got and we've run out of patience for it. And that's their gift if that's what they feel. But I think the Harry Kane situation was a disappointment to them. I think there were factors around him, whether it be family influence or maybe not having good enough agents to be able to see a bigger picture than Bayern Munich. And some would say, how can it be a bigger picture than Bayern Munich? They're a Champions League winning side. They're the do- they dominated German football. Okay, there's arguments in both parts of the, of the equation. But I think it's now a case for Tottenham that they're disappointed to lose him. They did everything they could to try and keep him. They've banked 86, 90 million quid out of it. And the, the job in hand now is Postacoglu. Postacoglu, Postacoglu, everything on Postacoglu, everything about Postacoglu, give him every opportunity to be successful and the working support, relationship. Support, support, What a working relationship between yeah. two people that actually want to work with one another. Yeah. You've got a four-year contract. Yeah. You've got, I've always maintained since that decision was made, and I think it's a good decision, that you've got a relationship that could actually work here because you've got somebody that wants to work for Tottenham Hotspur and you've got Tottenham Hotspur wanting him to work for them. So mm. you're in an equitable position. You haven't got some highfalutin manager like Conte or Mourinho coming in the door doing everybody a favour for £15 million a year and then finding that they don't like it and setting it all on fire this relationship now if this relationship blows up in flames and we hear Postacoglu trotting out the same tropes as we've heard previously about the Mm. culture the attitude the chairman but if he does yeah because if his stock is high and he's all of a sudden Tottenham it's not his style it's not his character I don't think it is is, but football managers are often cut from the same cloth and they Mm. get very easily influenced Mm. the other day we were hearing Steve Cooper bitching and moaning about needing players this is the same manager that a year ago was ever so grateful that he was kept in a job and ultimately milking the the, the endless support of how many players it had brought in for him so they are capable of pivoting I just think that Tottenham are going to be surprisingly better than a lot of people think. Okay. And that's not because I've got some vested interest in Daniel Levy. It's not because I'm his glove puppet. But that's because because without Kane, because it it gets sorted in the end, one way or the other, but with Postacoglu. Listen, losing Kane is a massive wrench. Losing Kane and that quality is a massive wrench for any football club. But it's about what you do next. Kane is gone. They've got top money for him. They've got a lot from him over that period of time. And disappointingly, he's gone. But Tottenham Hotspur have got a balanced books like every other football club. They've got to meet financial fair play obligations. And they've also, also got to give this guy some tools. And that money comes from somewhere. They don't have an Arab benefactor. They don't have some ridiculous um, private equity business that's throwing money around like it's going out of fashion. They have an order in place and yeah. some will like it, some won't. Listen, around boardrooms, around Premier League boardrooms, and I know, I know, I know you gauge opinion on a regular basis... What is the degree or otherwise of nervousness about the Saudis? Um, look, I think you'd be silly not to be aware of it. 
And I think they'd be silly not to be focusing on the fact that there's an economic problem coming because of the Saudis. I don't think the Premier League, it's not an arrogant little England mentality that says that we shouldn't be concerned about the football side of things because you've got these unique football clubs in England and in Europe that cannot be superseded in any any short order by the by the increase in awareness and, and desire of the Saudis. What you can do is have the, the financial lands, landscape polluted and corrupted by what they're doing. I don't mean corrupted because it's illicit payments that are being made. I mean that they're breaking the mould and changing the direction and giving players and agents an opportunity to monetize football in the wrong way. So I think there's a fear factor there. I, I would wager and, 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 and look at it that there's a concern that the, the, the control inside the Premier League, Masters talking about... Oh, he said there's no threat. Well, I think he's stupid to say it because there's clearly a threat. And this how, is why, Sam, this how, is why, let how me you, interrupt you. How you embrace that threat is the, is the important thing, not, not the fact that you don't acknowledge it or you do acknowledge it. We, we spoke earlier about the, these talk reportedly... The Saudis in talks with UEFA uh, uh, about having a Saudi team in the Champions League from 2025. How can that be? This is how they're going to do it. This is how reportedly they're trying it. The Saudis reportedly plan to reward the winner of the Pro League with qualification to the Champions I'm sure League. They do. The idea would be to formulate a request to UEFA for a wild card to I'm the sure, Champions League, I'm, which of course will be played by 36 teams. I'm sure they by do. By the time they're trying to. I'm sure they do. Getting the, the hinge side but, of the door. But if you think about it, in real terms, it's a self-defeating objective. Why? Because their only ability to get to the top table in amongst the eyes around the world, right? They'll get lots of interest in their own country, but around the world, the people that watch the football, the 7 billion people in this world and the 3 or 4 billion football fans that watch it, that are entranced by their loyalty towards football teams that exist in their minds for many, many different reasons, right? Now, their, their way of getting to the top table is buy everything, right? They're going to buy everything. Yeah. But if they're going to be stopped from buying everything because they're going to be governed by financial fair play and they're going to have to fall in line with everybody else because that's the condition precedent of coming into the Champions League, how are they going to achieve their outcome? No, but they'll the still be very financially strong. What they could do is, if you come to, say, for talking, say, eight, Al Halal, on, we can promise you Champions League on eight, football. On eight, yeah, that's fine. On eighteen, on 25,000 fan stadiums, on, on the reality of commercial revenue streams uh, from broadcast deals that are not there, where are you going to get these broadcast deals? Well, okay, you, can, you might be able to get them from state-funded scenarios, right? And, then, and ultimately, the football world will have to look at how they're going to do it and work out whether that's fair competition. Sammy, broadcast deals. You're some of the biggest names in the game playing for that Saudi club. They can't even get a broadcast deal with the zone that's worth anything right now. And the noise around Saudi is as loud as it gets. That's because it's, the whole thing's about 10 minutes old. Oh, it, they but, are really embarking on this in a currency, serious way. But, and, they get in the Champions League, everything changes. And I, but they can't get in the Champions League as they are. They'll have to change something. And the moment they change something, the moment they break, they take away... The only incentive to go to play in Saudi right now is they will pay you more money than you can ever imagine in three lifetimes. Now, the moment that incentive changes, why are the top players going to play in Saudi in a league that has very little heritage in terms of value around the world? It may have lots of value in their own country, and no-one's denying that. Yeah, but no the one... landscape changes if one of those clubs gets in the Champions League. But, but Jim... How are they getting to get in the Champions League unless they give up the proviso that they cannot operate financially the way that they are? So if they give that right up, if they turn you around, you're not saying they're capable of negotiating something along those lines. And, and, and those that are, those that are in that space are going to be like turkeys voting for Christmas, are they? We'll let you do exactly. We'll let you come into the into the enclave. We'll let you be part of it. But by the way, we're going to let you bugger it all up by destroying the entire financial landscape of football around the world because you don't have an end game that vaguely resembles anything commercial. There has to be some commercial sense 
and balance. I'm all for investment in football. I'm all for the, the balance of financial fair play against the initial... If you buy a football club, you should have a couple of years to spend as you want and then get some governance in place. I'm all for capitalism and meritocracy and not denying investment into football. Mm. But when football gets affected by this absolute profligacy and players become acclimatised to the only place they can get money of that level is in Saudi Arabia, and then that has to be used as a weapon to get the European clubs to suddenly fall in line with the ridiculous agenda of the Saudis, what are you going to be left with? The, re the remnants of football. And if that's allowed to happen, then U UEFA are inviting their own end game being a decline in the fabric of football around the world. So they will say to the Saudis, yes, of course you're welcome to come in, but you come in under the conditions that everybody else is there. And the moment the Saudis are under their conditions, where is the attraction to go to Saudi? Because you can't get Champions League football. Yeah, but you can get Champions League football in the you elite still leagues. Get, you, you still get a bag of money as your wage. You play Champions League football, you play 13 games a season, or 17 as it's now gone up to. You've got to play the rest of the time, kicking a ball around in the desert Savage, amongst 18 teams that nobody's heard of for the same money you can get for playing for Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Manchester City, Juventus, AC Milan. You get The moment the USP, the moment the value of Saudi is taken away, gone. So there's no value in doing that. But it so legitimises it, so, their league. So, yes, but it, but it also then it takes away the USP of going to Saudi. You as a player don't particularly want to go there. Stephen Gerrard doesn't want to be in Saudi. It doesn't concur with his values. It concurs with the value of his bank balance. That's all it does. right? Ronaldo doesn't want to be in, in Saudi particularly. He wants to get paid a fortune. So you, you, you would say if they come into line and they go and, and they get a Champions where's, League spot... Where's the value? And they're under the auspices of UEFA, they can no longer pay ridiculous weekly wages. Well, Is that what you're telling unless me? Unless UEFA... Because it's so damn well unless, do it. Unless UEFA wants to sign... It, you know, UEFA has, still do it. UEFA has spent the last five years telling us that financial fair play needs to be adhered to. They brought sanctions against Man City. They've sanctioned everybody. They can sanction it. They're trying to tighten it up and make yeah. sure that people are able to run their All business. That and no punishment. And no, but but that's the narrative that needs to be built up. And the actual underlying sentiment is we need to consequence. If Todd Bowley and his little gang are intending to do what they fin want financially, then the consequences need to be bigger and bolder and stronger. And that's where I worry that people like Masters are not Scudamore. Wasn't a fan of Scudamore's for lots of reasons, but my God, could he run the Premier League? Don't think this fella can. And I think the middle management in the Premier League have got to sit there and go, right, if Bowley's going to lose 200 million quid next year because he's not running Chelsea the way they should be running and he doesn't care, and like that fella said the other day, his objective is to price it into, into his business plan. If he's going to spend 600 million pound on players, he'll, spend, he'll take a 20 million pound fine. Then you need to change the landscape and say, you're not getting a fine. You're getting booted out of a competition. You're getting six points. And if you do it again, you're getting booted out of Europe. So how much have you just saved yourselves? By, by being able to get around financial fair play and you've lost 100 million not playing in Europe, they'll soon fall in line. That's the worry. If the UEFAs of the world aren't strong enough, then Saudi will achieve their end game and it is not for the betterment of football. Well, to underline that, Paul Hayward, the respected journalist, is saying Saudi pose a constant threat and uh, by a regular stream of stars which weakens European football commercially and forces it to do a deal. Well, that's Paul's version of events. And that's Paul's view at this moment in time. And he's a journalist, not an economist. And he will see it from a certain point of view. And we'll see if that's a real challenge. But in order for them, if you're going to let the fox in the hen house, we've already done it to some extent and learned our lessons, which is why the Premier League have changed the rules saying no more nation states can buy football clubs. Because everybody knows, besides Blind Pew and a bunch of deluded Newcastle fans, that the actual ownership of their football club is a nation state. Yeah. The Premier League has changed that and said no more ownership of Premier League football clubs through a nation state. Now, if the UEFA are going to turn around and say, actually, I'll tell you what we'll do, in you come, 
do what you want, ravage the, the landscape, undermine every aspect of what we've been doing for the last 15 years, undermine every aspect of what Seferin set out after the European Super League, that greed is not good and ultimately we need to get control in the game, undermine all of that and come in and do what you want. They're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. I have to say, there are no hens left in the hen house. They're all foxes. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Last month, Simon, undisputed super featherweight champion Alicia Bumgardner beat Greece's uh, Christina Lenardetu but on points by a unanimous decision. That was over in the States. Now, it's now been revealed that Bumgardner tested positive for mesterolone in a drug-free sport test prior to the fight with the results coming back, curiously, after the fight. It's understood she tested positive for, for the banned steroid, misterolone, on July the 12th. It was a urine test conducted by Drug Free Sport three days prior to this fight. Mm. But the results didn't come back until a month later mm. on August the 10th when the fight had come and gone, which makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. But Simon, here we are with potentially another doping scandal. Yeah. And, and and a promoter that's been involved in some controversy recently over, obviously, the Conor Ben situation and the Dillian White fight. It's Matchroom again, uh, it's right? It's Matchroom again. Now, you will recall last week we had Eddie Hearn in and having a conversation with me. And if you put aside the theatrics and the fire and brimstone that went on and look at a particular conversation that we had, because drug-free sport isn't a terminology, it's actually a drug-testing agency. It's a drug testing agency that know that they are very well recognised in America. Eddie Hearn made the point because I asked him a question: "Who are drug free sport?" And I then went on to, to evaluate: Why are you developing a relationship with them? More concerningly, are you um, in a position where, when you use this drug testing agency, which no one else uses in boxing, they were very well established in American sports, but no one uses them in conjunction with boxing, are you in a situation where you are the person that gets the results and adjudicates the results? And Eddie. 
responded to that. I also asked him, have you used them recently? And have a listen to the audio and see what Eddie Hearn says to that. What's this situation going on with this drug-free sport? Where there's this, there's this conversation going on, and I hear that you are involved with drug-free sports and that matchroom fighters are going to be tested by drug-free sports and the results are going to be provided to matchroom and matchroom are going to be the adjudicator of those mm, absolute, absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Drug-free sport is a credible testing agency. Is there any truth in the allegation that your fighters are being tested by them and that the results come back to you and that you are the adjudicator of Ab the positive tests? Absolute. Categorically. Absolute rubbish. Have there been any fights where this has happened so but far? Drug-free testing have tested our athletes before. Right. Absolutely. Recently? And, uh, not, I think, in the last, I don't know, three, six months. But we do use drug-free sport, yeah. as do the NBA, I think the NFL or our NHL, wherever it is. Nothing wrong with them. No. But the fact that you no, as Just to put your mind at rest, <clears throat> right. Simon, before Good. anyone thinks that that might be yeah, factual. That's a, you're denied that absolutely. absolutely we would never Eddie, here's the deal. I would like to think Connor Ben. So what you need to pay attention, what was lost in a lot of the conversations was Friday-Saturday debates. This isn't a Friday-Saturday debate. This is me asking Eddie about drug-free sport as an agency being utilised by Matchroom. And this is Eddie telling us that they haven't been utilised by Matchroom for three to six months, to up to six months, where we, where the actual facts of the matter are that they were used three weeks earlier. And they were used not in some random fight, they were used in the undisputed Super Featherweight Championship of the world. So it's not some random fight that wouldn't be on the, the, the mindset of Matchroom. It's a proper, huge, massive fight with a, a, you know, an undisputed champion fighting against someone that she's, that she's lost to before. Her only loss is to this particular girl. Right. Well, the fight was on the 15th of July, right? The testing was so done on the 12th of July. It would appear that this very reputable agency didn't submit these tests until the 21st of July. And the results, according to Matchroom, didn't come back until the 12th of August. It's another instance, and the reasons why this is in the public domain now is because the, new, the, the media were breaking it yesterday. Very similar to the Conor Ben situation. The reason why the Conor Ben situation manifested itself is because the media broke the story, the fight was stopped. The Dillian White fight was stopped instantaneously in conjunction with the British Boxing Board of Control by Eddie. But this is a matchroom fight. This is the third fight where you've either got a relationship, you've either got a promotion, or you're supportive of, of a fighter. Because we listened to the three arguments, which is Eddie was co-promoting one fight, promoting this fight, or has a supportive relationship with Conor Ben. But this is a fight that had a failed drugs test through an agency that no one was aware of. And to, because when I brought up drug-free sport last week, you looked at it and went, why am I asking that question? The reason why I put that into the frame is because I knew there was something in the air. I knew that was something about to come in the ether about drug-free sport, and I couldn't understand why Eddie, that has told you repeatedly that VADA is the gold standard, mm. would be using another drug testing agency, and now we've got a situation where... They would say that they're doing more drug testing than any other promoter. Fantastic. So hence, percentage-wise, proportionately, you're going to my, get... My question My question of matchroom, if people want to talk about agendas, because that's how this will be responded to, no doubt... Look, my agenda, if there is an agenda, and an agenda I'll have, is I pretty much love this boxing sport. I wish I'd got involved with it more than I wish I'd got involved with football. And if my agenda's anything, I want to clean it up. And when you've got a situation where you're getting fighters that are failing drugs tests, that are going into fights 
where, where drug testing agencies aren't submitting information, uh, leading promoters, this is, not a mis- this is not a misstep. This isn't a Friday-Saturday debate about what Robert Smith said to me and me mistakenly representing it as Friday rather than Saturday. No. This is a promoter telling you yeah. that he hasn't used this drug testing agency for up to six months, and he used them three weeks ago in one of the biggest fights in British bo- in sorry in women's boxing for the undisputed for all the belts actually for five belts right in a leading leading fight and this has got to stop right okay well we this now has know has got to stop Alicia Bumgarner tested positive for mesterolone uh, in a, a drug-free sport drugs test prior to the fight the results came back after the fight I mean until that changes nothing's really going to change is that Matchroom for their part is committed they say to promoting clean and fair sport for all athletes and will assist Alicia and her team during this time affording her the appropriate due process as we wait to receive more information Matchroom will not be making any further comment Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation Outspoken with White and Jordan Thanks for listening to Outspoken don't forget to leave a five star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode We'll be back tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.